You are tuned in to Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with my good friend, Gray Williams, and we have a great program for you today. Our show is all about the, the world of technology and just trying to simplify it and, and inspire you about some of the tools and tech that uh, is out there. And these are some fun segments today, Gray. <laughs> um, the first one coming up after the break, unexpected camping tech. <laughs> it's fun because... <laughs> I know you, you want to get away from technology, right? But sometimes this technology could just make it a little more fun when you're out in the wilderness, don't you think? Very much so. We'll also be talking about an e-bike company uh, in the Netherlands. And this is kind of a concerning thing. We've talked about this before on uh, the program. And uh, you know, I encourage the listeners to, to stay tuned for it. This e-bike company has gone bankrupt. And the the potential problem is that to use the e-bike, you have to unlock it with a digital key on your smartphone. And as you can imagine, eventually that's not going to work anymore. That's not going to be supported anymore. So where does that leave users? And it's a subject that we have spoken about before on the program because there are many different companies making all these new gadgets and a lot of them are tied to apps or the cloud. And I've seen it time and time again you know, some of these companies have gone under and then their product doesn't work anymore because that company's not supporting the cloud or that app because they're they're gone. So, you know, e-bikes, they're expensive. They're thousands of dollars. So we're going to kind of dive into that issue and just talk about, uh, you know, maybe some of the solutions uh, for that. We'll also be going through our uh, top uh, laptop work tech hacks, kind of the gadgets and things you need to, to make that uh, that working at home or at the office, just a little bit smoother and a little bit more comfortable. Uh, let's get into some of the, the tech news, uh, Gray. This was kind of an interesting uh, story out of uh, New York, and it uh, concerned drones. Uh, the NYPD is testing drones that broadcast public safety warnings during emergencies. Did you see this story? I did, yeah. It's interesting. So um, I guess the idea is that uh, they would, uh, they're, they're going to conduct a, a test of these remote piloted uh, drones. And if there's any kind of emergencies come up, um, you know, flash floods or anything like that, they can send these drones out to give audio messages to the neighborhoods that are at risk of flooding or other extreme weather events. Because maybe not everyone is looking on their smartphone for those emergency messages or watching TV or listening to a radio. But, and you, you've got to think as well, like if infrastructure does go down, say, for example, your cell phone doesn't work, um, you know, out of power, network down, whatever it is, these things are your lifeline. Like what, what a great way to use the technology. Basically, you don't need to have access to any gear You've got access to knowledge, you've got access to information, and you can follow the instructions that are given. It's interesting. I I just wonder how good the speakers are going to be on these (laughs) these drones. You know how loud they are, right? Drones. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's got to be a pretty kick-butt speaker on that drone to kind of drown out the the drone fan, you know, the, the propellers. Yes. Yeah. Well, I you know, I imagine these things are, they're going to be... What they say, wired for sound? <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, yeah. I mean, because the speakers are going to take up room, right? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so they got to carry that. So then it's got to be a bigger drone, which makes it a louder drone. 
<laughs> it, it just kind of, you know what I mean? It's just kind of snowballing. And, and, I mean, really what I want is a drone with an awesome sound system. So they might be a risk as well. Okay, let's uh, move over, over to uh, Microsoft Office. Yes, I know an exciting thing to talk about, but they've been talking about integrating AI into Office, like PowerPoint, Excel, and Word. And I guess the idea is there, you know, if you're using Word or Outlook to create emails, you know, their AI tool will make it easy to to create all these documents just by typing in a few commands. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But it looks like uh, business users will have to pay a lot of money per user to make that happen. And and here's the price, 30 bucks per user per month. That's another 360 bucks a month per user. Yeah. It's, I, you know, I can't help but think that Microsoft's just a little off base with the pricing on this one. Um, you know, looking at a lot of the features here, uh, Google is actually rolling out a lot of these features for free as part of Google Workspace. Um, like no additional charge if, as long as you've got a Google Workspace account. So this $30 a month price, I'm, I'm looking at it and just thinking, are they looking to make it up on volume with big companies? Because as a, as a smaller user, um, you know, with a, with a smaller company, I'm looking at this and thinking, this is cost prohibitive. But, okay, but let's talk about this, Gray. Is it? So it's 360 bucks a year, if you do the math. This is US pricing as well, okay? Keep that in mind. How much more productive are they? Because we've seen studies all, already. I think MIT did a study, uh, you know, and actually gave, uh, you know, two different groups, one group, AI, ChatGPT, and the other one, they had to do stuff on their own. They found, as you can imagine, the people that use ChatGPT way more productive. They were able to, to, to finish tasks like 11 minutes sooner. So $360 or $30 a month, you know, sounds like a lot, but if it makes them faster, what, what if it made them twice as fast? Mm, like, then, that's a good point. Then the company is saving money. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Hmm. However, if you have a lot of employees, <laughs> that would add up pretty quickly. I, I, I wonder if this is almost like a, like a selection thing. Like you get the AI because we know it's going to make you more efficient. You don't because uh, I don't like you. You get double AI because <laughs> you just aren't that fast, Mike. I don't know. It's... I don't know. It's it's something. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how all the competitors, like Google and everyone, uh, roll out their AI offerings and how much they're going to charge. It, it's funny how they all seem to end up on the same price, though. Do you know what I mean for other stuff? Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's talk uh, cyber trucks. Tesla unveiled the cyber truck four years ago. Great, that was four years ago, twenty nineteen, and. It looks like now the first one has finally, finally rolled off the assembly line. Oh, I put 150 bucks down on one of these things. I, I don't know if I, if I want one anymore. Did you put money down? <laughs> I did. It's $150 at the time. Yeah. I, they have a lot of competition now, Gray. They've, they've got Ford with their F-150 Lightning. Uh, Chevy, they're coming out with their Silverado electric truck, which looks amazing as well. I, I'm in love with the Rivian. Uh, it's just that that thing makes me so happy inside. And uh, it's just, it's it's a little out of my price range right now, but mm, 
<laughs> yeah, there's still a lot of money. Uh, you know, the Tesla Cybertruck was supposed to be better pricing. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you look at the Rivian, that thing's over a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, right. So that's <laughs> that's a small that's a small market, uh, but. Uh, it looks like it's smaller than the original prototype. It's uh, going to be 19 feet or less on that. It's got um, a six foot long bed as well. So it'll fit in 20 foot car garages where yeah. other trucks can't. But uh, so if you compare it to like the F-150 Lightning, you know, which is Ford's electric truck, it's that truck is 19.25 feet long with a 5.5 foot bed. Hmm. Interesting. Eh? Okay. But yeah, a little, little extra things on the Tesla. I'm, yeah, I am. I'm fascinated to see how well they, they do with it. Um, it's a weird design. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it really captured my imagination when it first came out. And I don't know. I don't know if I'm still in love with it. Maybe I'm just not in love with Elon anymore. Yeah. I don't blame you. Okay. When we come back from the break, you're listening to get connected here. Unexpected camping tech. Stay tuned. You are back with the program. Mike Agarbo here with Gray Williams. This is going to be a fun segment, Gray. We're going to talk about unexpected camping tech. Yes, I know you are camping because you want to get away from the rat race to get away from technology. But there are some, I I guess I call uh, creature comfort tech gadgets that just might make it a little bit better. And the following tech that we're going to be talking about this isn't stuff if you're backpacking into the wilderness. This is something I think, you know, if you're going camping with a tent and, you know, you're, you're driving there in your car and your your car can transport some of the stuff, right? Absolutely. I mean, I define myself as a glamper. Um, you know, it's just the finer things while also being outside. Okay. So I know <laughs> hardcore campers, I know you'll be laughing when we talk about some of these things, <laughs> but I know so many people that go car camping, you know what I mean? Like they drive to Manning Park or, you know, Provincial Park, uh, you know, anywhere in Canada and they've, they've got all their stuff in their car. They, they pitch a tent, but these are some things that could just make it a little bit better. So this was funny when we were coming up with the list grade. The first one, I was just like shaking my head. Soda stream. You, you bring a soda stream camping. Absolutely, I do. I, I live and die by this thing. Because you got to think, you know, if you're looking for something that has a little bit of fizz, maybe you don't want caffeine, uh, you're not looking for the sugar, the soda stream is perfect. And it only takes up the space of the actual soda stream, the bottles, and the water that you're going to be using. And so, unlike having to pack in, you know, tons of cans, having to worry about pack it in, pack it out, leave no trace, uh, you can basically make yourself a beautiful bottle of bubbly water whenever you want i i live and die by this thing it is an absolute must for me while camping it is interesting when i think about it because a lot of times where you're camping you have access to water right so you can fill up a you know your jerry can full of water or, or what have you and so this would allow you to have fizzy drinks like you can get flavored drinks as well right yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, I was just in Ikea the other day and they have their syrups. And so I'm actually going to be camping next week. I've got some lingonberry on the, the, lingonberry, the, the are roster. You kid, are you kidding me? I'm all over the lingonberry. So okay. I'm going to have some fizzy lingonberry all to myself. So the, the one thing about the soda, soda stream, it doesn't need power. That's right. Uh, I mean, it's powered by the actual gas itself. So easy peasy, lemon squeezy. The next one, tire inflator. 
And so this is yeah. more for the floaties if you're, you know, camping by a lake or the ocean. So, you know, obviously this is great for inflating tires, but more so for all the, the giant air mattresses and stuff and air mattresses that you would use in your tent as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I've got a, um, it's a Nero Roamer. Uh, mattress which uses a uh, vortex pump sack which is a really cool way of inflating but for everything else that i need to blow up um my lungs are just not up to the task for all of the floaties that are out there and so uh, I, i've got this with me um the cool thing about the particular tire inflator that i have it does uh you know sports balls and uh it does mattresses and things but also has a an air evacuate mode it has a reverse mode so when you're done at the end of the day, you can basically plug this thing in, suck the air out of the, the floaty. You don't have to wait for it to deflate. You don't have to do that whole like lean on it thing, which is just oh, it's it an awkward for everybody. Oh, it deflates. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that is, that is handy. But this thing, this thing needs to be plugged into the car. Well, so the one that I have, you can actually charge it by plugging into the car, but it has a battery that lasts about two days uh, worth of use really? uh, of inflating and deflating. The, the the flotilla of floaties that I have. And what's it called again? Uh, that's a great question. It is a jump pack, and I do not remember the name. It's a Motomaster. Motomaster. Canadian title? Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Uh, the next one, <laughs> I just love you coming up with this list, because you do a lot of camping. And so one of the things, a dust buster, a battery-operated one. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I've been tempted to take my Dyson from time to time because I do like a clean campsite. Uh, but, you know, just basically a, a cheap dust buster that has a decent rechargeable battery. Um, you know, I have a rather large tent. It is called a shift pod. It is uh, 12 feet in diameter and seven feet tall. Um, it's basically a living room. It's larger than my first apartment in Vancouver. So absolutely, <laughs> there's time when I'm tracking things into this tent. And so uh, having a little way to clean up is a great uh, is a great thing. And it keeps the, the, the tent space, you know, Comfortable, nice, indoors. You, you know what? I, I I have to agree because I don't tent anymore. But I remember in the old days when I did, the tent floor was just covered in in crap all the time. You know what I mean? Just dirt and 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 what have you. So having a dustbuster, um, I mean, yes, can you sweep it? <laughs> like, <laughs> like they used to do in the old days. Yes, you could do that. But the dustbuster, it I mean, it is a handy little unit, especially one that's battery operated. Uh, another one uh, on your list here, Gray. We're talking about uh, unexpected camping tech, and I know all the camping people are laughing at this segment right now. But uh, I know a lot of people would actually get some something out of some of the things we're talking about here. A projector, and I agree with this because I actually have uh, a couple little portable projectors uh, as well that uh, you can basically load up a, a USB stick with a bunch of movies or shows and stick it in them. And these things last for hours. Yep. I've got one coming tomorrow courtesy of Prime Day, and I'm very excited about it. And so uh, I've got a big you know, battery block with the solar generators and some, a solar panel. So it's going to run off of that. Um, and the nice thing is, you know, I've got a, a projector screen that I can actually just put up and have, have standing outside so I can watch a movie under the stars with friends. Uh, but that shift pod is actually, it's it's white on the inside uh, and it's hexagonal. So you can basically point this thing out the wall and that wall becomes your projector screen. I'm uh, I'm excited for the movie opportunities when it's raining. <laughs> I don't want to go outside when I'm camping. Yeah, these little portable projectors are pretty cool. Like I've, I've got some um, uh, some Acer ones and they're amazing. Like they're they're so tiny, they're battery powered. Uh, you can plug in, like I said, a USB stick or, you know, hook up your iPad to it. 
you know what I mean? Like with a cable. And if you had movies on your iPad, you can project it uh, from there. And like, uh, again, uh, you know, if you're in your tent, you can project it on the, the ceiling or the wall, or you just bring a white sheet if you want to do it outside as well. So it's, yeah. yeah. Is that really camping again? No, but it's kind of fun if you've got the kids and, you know, keeps them entertained for a while, if you know what I mean. We're talking all about unexpected camping tech. Uh, you know something that I bring, uh, or I, I recommend people bring. Uh, a lot of people are using battery-powered uh, power tools and, and lawn tools now. Uh, I use uh, the Ego brand, E-G-O. Mm. Uh, you know, they've got the electric lawnmowers. I've got the, the Weed Whacker. They all take the same battery. They're these giant 5-amp um, or 7.5-amp batteries. And they actually have a little... Um, portable slide for it it's called the nexus escape and you can plug one of these giant lawnmower batteries into this and uh, the little slide then has like a little power outlet so you can plug in you know smartphones or whatever you want and it can actually power a lot of stuff for a few days no i like that i can can i give you my my number one camping hack sure skip the 10 pegs leg bolts sorry what leg bolts 12 inch long leg bolts Leg? Use those things to screw your tent into the ground. Leg bolts. Your leg bolts. You'll never have. You'll never have to hammer a tent peg again. Uh, these things are absolutely fantastic. I used them at Burning Man last year. Uh, I use them every time I go camping, and it's literally getting your tent secured down with a you know ratchet driver or a, or a, a, a drill. Maybe a minute. Really? Yep. I'm not very techy, but I like it. I liked right. it a lot because then you're not sitting there hammering these things in, these tent pegs. Zip, zip. Okay, we've been talking all about unexpected camping tech, and uh, I, I actually like some of those ideas. When we come back from the break, still a lot more uh, tech to talk. We will uh, be chatting about an e-bike company that has gone bankrupt, and this happens. It's unfortunate, obviously, for the company, but there's a twist to it because their e-bikes are app enabled it's basically uh kind of bricked the bikes you can't use them without the app which is now defunct because the company's bankrupt we're going to tell you kind of the uh uh you know where where can these people go from here and uh, how much of a problem it is with some of this tech when they're tied in with the cloud or or these apps to app you know actually operate plus our top mobile work tech apps as well uh, if you are mobile with your laptop working in coffee shops or at home we're going to tell you some of our favorite tech hacks to make that uh, just a little more comfortable you're listening to get connected here on the chorus radio network we'll be back right after this you are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Gray Williams. We're going to talk about our top mobile work tech hacks this is for the folks that uh, are using laptops, whether that's in coffee shops, maybe even at the office. A lot of us uh, still working hybrid at home as well with uh, our little portable computers. Just want to talk about some of the things that might make it a little bit easier, make it a little more productive uh, for you when you are on the go. And uh, I know uh, you love this stuff too, Greg, because you're using a laptop uh, all the time. I think you got a MacBook, right? I do, yes. Uh, I guess the first thing is have everything in the cloud. And I know some people are still afraid of the cloud, but it changed my life, Gray. Just being able to access that stuff no matter where I am. And, you know, I've got a, I've got a few different devices. You know what I mean? Like I've got, you know, a tablet. Uh, I've actually got a couple laptops and a desktop computer, obviously my phone. But when I'm working on documents now and saving them to the cloud, it's just wonderful because I can then just pick 
up whatever device that I'm on. Do you know what I mean? And then I'm, it, I'm not worried about losing that document either. It, it's interesting because right now it almost feels like your computer is no longer your computer. It's an extension of your online accounts. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, my MacBook, it's a wonderful device, but if it were to get, you know, hit by a truck, tossed off of a building, I could go out and get a brand new machine, log into those online accounts and have all of my stuff there. It's on, like I said, it's on my iPad, it's on my iPhone. These things are no longer the the important devices that they were in as far as holding on to my stuff. It's just there for accessing my stuff. And, you know, I making that mental shift that things don't live on this device anymore. Things live with me in my virtual space and in, in, in the cloud was a, was a bit of a game changer. Um, and also a huge relief because anything happens to this device, I'm okay. I've still got all of my stuff where I need it secured in the cloud. What I like about it too, Gray, is that even like in an emergency, if I'm out and I don't have a device with me that I, I would need to like edit a document, for example, um, if I was at a friend's house, for example, I could just borrow their computer and log into my account through a web browser. And, you know, like I use a lot of Office stuff, right? So I can log into Office 365 and use Excel or Word and, you know, and have access to my cloud documents. So it's, I'm, I'm always able to access everything. And again, it's always backed up there and I don't have to worry about uh, losing it. So I'm going to move on to the second thing, Gray. And I just came across something that has blown my mind. So in using a laptop... You know, if you're kind of stationary for long periods of time, I know a lot of people at work, they've got a laptop and they have a second monitor. And a lot of people have that in their home office as well, right? So they've got, you know, the laptop screen, but they also got like a big monitor uh, as well. I, I came across a cool uh, device. It's called the the De Plus, uh, De as in French for two. And it's like a little sliding second monitor. It attaches to the the back of your laptop screen. You have to put some little magnetic mounts on the back of your laptop screen, which is the only downside. Uh, but then it just kind of just kind of snaps in place. And you, you can basically pull out uh, and they have different sizes. Like if you've got a 13-inch laptop screen, you can get a 13-inch model and it pulls out to the side of your existing screen and it, it extends your screen. I love living in the future. I really dude, do. Dude, it is magical and it worked. It worked. Like, I, I'm always skeptical of these things because, you know, they don't work half the time. It's just one cord from the, the screen and you, you plug it into your laptop into one of the USB ports and it just worked. Like, I just instantly, I had a second screen. And it was wonderful what? because I could have my email, you know, my Outlook on one screen and like a spreadsheet or a web browser on the other. It has changed the way I, I use my laptop. And I can take, it's like, it weighs nothing. It's like one and a half pounds. And, nice. and detaches so easily, and I can take this thing anywhere. Okay, is it cheap? No, it's several hundred dollars. Just depends on what size you get, because you can get different sizes for depending on how big your, your laptop screen. But gray, I freaking love it. Again, it's... I'm, I'm, sorry? So that's the Dip Plus. Yes. I'm using my iPad for something similar. I'm with coherence on Mac OS 10 or Mac OS, I guess. Um, and, and that's kind of a cool feature because it will allow you to use the iPad as an iPad if you want to. And you can actually just push through the side of the screen and use your keyboard and mouse with your iPad um, as well as with your, your, your MacBook. Um, but you can also use it as an expanded display. Um, the one thing that I do find though is when I'm doing things like that, I tend to forget that the Mac is not a touchscreen display, so I'm sitting there poking <laughs> at the screens. 
for a couple of minutes before I remember right. Yeah. No, so so thing. basically you've got your MacBook and then you've got your iPad right beside it and like on a little stand. Yeah. Yep. And it's a second screen. And you can do that. The, I, the cool thing with the, doing that with a, an iPad and the MacBook, uh, you can do that wirelessly. Yeah. How do you find the, is there any lag? I, I don't find there's much latency, to be quite honest. I can drag Windows back and forth, even when I'm playing video, and it's quite good. Um, you know, it, it, sometimes it will also depend on if there is network congestion in the area, if there's a lot of stuff going on. But I've only found issues maybe once or twice, and they were they were just so random that I, I I can't really ever reproduce them. We're talking about second screens for laptops. Uh, if you're in the Mac world, you can uh, use uh, the the feature where you can use an iPad as a second monitor. Uh, you can wire that in or it can be wireless. So that's uh, very, very cool. Uh, next up, get a decent keyboard. Like, yes, it's nice that the laptop has a keyboard, but you can get like a full-size keyboard, you know, especially if you're at home or at the office. And, and it, it makes a big difference, right? Getting a, a keyboard and and a mouse. So th- this this is my personal place of, of pleasure. I love keyboards. Um, in front of me right now, I have, um, what is this? A Keychron uh, K8, which is a beautiful mechanical switch keyboard oh, yeah. uh, that, I, that I purchased click, off click, of the click, Kickstarter. Click, 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 click. <laughs> but this actually has uh, brown switches, so it's, it's quite quiet in comparison to uh, a lot of other keyboards. I have a Hall Effect keyboard um, sitting over across the room, which uses magnets to actuate the switches. Um, I will say this, you know, wh- whether it is a uh, an Apple keyboard ex- external that you get or a mechanical switch keyboard, um, finding that right keyboard can take some time. You know, don't, don't just settle for the first one you come across. Really dig in and get yourself a keyboard that's right for you. I think I'm losing the audience right now, but seriously, <laughs> no, a it, it's, a, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Like it, it makes all the difference when you're using a laptop, especially if you know it, it's at your home office or you're at the office, you can just leave the keyboard there and the mouse there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then just, um, you know, cause a lot of these things are wireless now, so they work on, on Bluetooth uh, or they've got that little wireless USB dongle thing that you can uh, plug in, but definitely a game changer. Uh, get a decent USB-C hub. And so all the laptops now, whether it's Mac or Windows, they've got the USB-C ports. Those are the the tiny little USB ports that are reversible. A USB hub gives you extra ports because a lot of times these laptops don't have enough. So you'll get extra USB-C ports. You can get like ones with um, digital memory slots on it, even Ethernet ports, HDMI. So you can hook it up to, uh, uh, you know, wire it up to a monitor or a, a TV uh, and an old uh, USB um ports uh, as well if you've got like an old printer or, or something something like that but um, you know get a decent one don't cheap out on them you know I, I know you can get these uh, cheap Chinese ones for like $10 but I find after time they just kind of die out you're probably looking like 50 to $70 for one of these I, I spent a little bit more and I got myself a docking station a Thunderbolt 4 docking station Ooh, which yeah. th- so that gives you power uh, to the to the laptop as well as to all your devices um, and gives you, you know, that full speed for all of your ports all the way through. Uh, it cost me about 200 bucks, but I've got to tell you, that thing is rock solid. Uh, and lastly, get a decent power bank. They've got some really cool portable batteries now that can actually power a laptop for a few hours. So if you're on the go on, um, uh, you know, traveling and you don't have access to a power outlet all the time, these things are great. Logics, um, a, a local company here, they make some great ones. And you got to find one that has enough juice in it. Uh, look for something that can do like 65 watts to power the laptop. 
you know, they're, they're bigger. There's no question. Um, you know, they're kind of the size of a paperback novel sometimes, maybe a little um, thinner than that, but uh, it, it's a must have when I'm traveling. Uh, I just put one in my laptop bag and I never worry about, uh, you know, basically running out of power. I want to give a shout out to our sister show. It's uh, the app show every Sunday. You got to check it out. It's also a podcast like Get Connected here. You can uh, pick it up on your favorite uh, podcast app. We do have one more segment, and uh, it's an important one. It's about an e-bike company that's gone bankrupt, and it's uh, potentially a problem for the e-bike owners because they use digital keys for these bikes. What happens when that stops working? You won't be able to use your bike anymore. Well, we'll tell you more about it. Listening to Get Connected, back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Gray Williams. We've talked a lot in the past about the dangers of some of the technologies out there, you know, whether that's smart home uh, or, or what have you, or just gadgets in general that rely on secondary things to make them work, like the cloud or an app. Because if that company ever goes out of business, many cases the product doesn't work anymore i've i've known so many different smart home gadgets uh, that basically have just died because the company's gone bankrupt and because it was tied in with the cloud uh you know and obviously when the company goes they shut that down that particular product doesn't work anymore well now there's a, an e-bike company called van moof uh where that might be a problem as well give us the lowdown gray so uh, essentially, this is a company over in Europe. Um, they've created a beautiful e-bike that people have uh, been pre-ordering and have, they've taken delivery on these things. Um, it is a very stylish piece of kit. But unfortunately, uh, the app that's used to unlock and lock the bike um, and is, is used to customize your settings, um, that right there uh, is part of the, the company itself. And so uh, with the company filing for bankruptcy and possibly no longer becoming uh, a going concern, this app will no longer be updated. Um, another company has kind of swooped in. There's a company called Cowboy. They also make e-bikes, and they've made an app called Bikey, um, Bike Key, I guess, uh, that allows people to back up their keys. Uh, but again, if, if you were to perhaps lose these keys or not get them downloaded in time, um, there's a good possibility that your van move wouldn't actually work for you. This is like a, a problem, Gray, because these e-bikes, they're not cheap. They're thousands of dollars in, in, in most cases. And if you need a digital key that basically works off your phone and that app stops working and you can't get that key anymore, that bike is dead to you. And I mean, I can only tell you how absolutely furious I would be <laughs> to pop outside, maybe not be in the loop and, you know, go to use my e-bike and nothing happens. It, it's, you know, I, I was thinking about this earlier and the idea of the, of the app enabled item, this is, this is not an app enabled item. This is an app disabled item. Um, looking at this, and I said this before, you know, when companies start to teeter, when they start to falter, if they are going out of business, any software that they have should have to become open source. It's the only, it's only the right thing for the users, right? I know, but if, but there's no laws or regulation in place for that to, to happen. I, I think there should be. Do you know what I mean? Like if your product is tied in with the cloud, there should be some law or regulation uh, put in place that, you know, if things go south for that company, it does go to some sort of open source type thing so that, you know, the customers can still use that particular product. Don't you agree? Yeah, th this ties into the right to repair. 
right? The the idea that we don't have access to the you know, the internal workings of the software that we are, in this case, licensing, not purchasing, in a lot in a lot of cases, and so, you know, not having that access, um, basically, it, it does raise the question: who actually owns the item? You know, uh, if you're if you're literally just licensing the software, maybe you own the actual physical item, but you don't have the right to use this thing unless the company says so. And if that company goes away, you're out of luck. I've run into it myself. I had this really cool, um, it was like a little box uh, called a bevy and you hooked it up to your TV and it was so cool because back in the day, uh, this was a few years ago, it, uh, you, you basically put all your photos on it and also you, you set it up so that uh, when you came home, uh, because it was tied into your network and your Wi-Fi, uh, you also logged your, your phone into the same account. All your phone, all your photos from your phone would then get uploaded to the device as well. So you could have this ongoing photo picture show on your big screen TV and everything. All your photos would just be kind of amalgamated onto that one device. Super cool. But the company went out of business and it just, it, it became a dead box. Mm. I'm going to think about, I think I actually got quite a few of those dead boxes kicking around thinking, you know, I'll actually do something with this someday and I never will. It might be time for spring cleaning. Do you remember the boxy box? I do. Yeah. This was uh, kind of one of the first generation of smart TVs. Uh, uh, I think they, uh, D-Link uh, basically made these boxes in conjunction with the company. And they were cool. They were like this kind of cube. It looks like, you know, when it was on, you know, on a table uh, or your entertainment unit, it's like this crazy cube. It almost looked like it was coming out of your entertainment unit. And it was amazing. But they died. And um, the good thing is that it did go open source. Like people could still use the actual box. But, you know, people spent hundreds of dollars on on this thing and it, it could have been bricked essentially. Yeah. And honestly, for such a cool piece of hardware, that would have been a shame. So again, we're, we're talking about this e-bike company. Um, again, what's it called? Van Moof. <laughs> I love that name. It's, it's a Dutch company from what uh, I understand. And, and again, uh, they've gone bankrupt. The problem, and this is a problem for a number of devices uh, out there, you know, when they tied into an app or some sort of digital key to make it work, uh, if that company goes, you could be in trouble. How many of these smart locks are out there on houses right now, Gray? You know, if one of those companies were to go out of business, a lot of people uh, might not be able to get into their house. I actually had a system called iHome, which uh, lasted until about, I think, iOS 13, and then promptly decided that it was no longer going to work. And that was a whole alarm system that uh, the day that it didn't work was quite loud. It's funny because I, then I think about my car. I have a Tesla and I, I, it's a digital key. I use it on my phone. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just tied in with Bluetooth. I can walk up to the car. It knows I'm there. I can unlock it. I can start it and go. Uh, and sometimes I thought about that. Like, what if Tesla just went bankrupt one day? I, I don't think it will ever. But, you know, what would happen? Like, the whole thing is like, it's like a giant iPad with a, an app that makes the whole thing go. I imagine someone would probably be able to jailbreak it. No, I, I, yes. I, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's so funny um, how tied in we are with these devices to make them work. And I, I remember just back a few weeks ago, um, 
it was nighttime and it was late. I was out at a client dinner and I was like, okay, I'm, you know, finally it's over. I'm going to go home. And my phone was dying and it died. And I was like, oh my God, that's horrible. But then I thought, okay, when I get into the Tesla, um, I can just recharge it. It's got, you know, the wireless charging pad there. But then as I got to my car, Gray, I remembered because the car wasn't opening, the dead iPhone is my key. Oh, no. <laughs> so, <sighs> so I was kind of screwed. I had to go uh, to um, a bar and and sit there for like 10 minutes to, to charge the phone up, to get enough <laughs> juice to then start my car. <laughs> Which then, you know, from now on now, I you, you can also unlock Teslas with... Um, a digital key card it, it looks like a, a credit card so yeah. um i've learned my lesson and i carry one of those as a backup now because i'm stupid <laughs> but it, it, great it just shows you how much we rely on some of this stuff yeah i it, it's, it's interesting i mean i've run out a battery on my phone a number of times the last little while and nothing has been quite that disastrous but it does feel kind of unsettling yeah, it's not good, right? But what if, what if it was like super late, like one or two in the morning and nothing is open? What do I do then? If, Panic? Yeah, yeah. I can't even phone anyone. My phone's dead. And God knows there's no pay phones around anymore. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Technology can lift us up, but it can also crush us. <laughs> well, that's all the time we have left. Uh, as always, want to thank Gray, uh, my co-host, and I want to give a shout out to the app show. It's our sister program. It's on every Sunday across the Chorus Radio Network, and it's uh, it's a great program tomorrow. We are going to be chatting about uh, our best travel tech hacks, ways to save money, and how to use tech to make that traveling just a little more smooth. We will also uh, be chatting about Apple. There's a, a new UK... Uh, surveillance bill that uh, the UK government's trying to pass that uh, would allow them to basically get in to check in things like encrypted messages on the different messaging platforms. Apple not happen, uh, happy about this, and they're threatening to remove uh, apps like FaceTime in the UK over this. So we'll dive into that uh, a little bit uh, more. That's all the time we have left. Don't forget to check out our podcasts. Uh, You can go to our website, getconnectedmedia.com or go to your favorite uh, podcasting uh, app and uh, look us up. This is Mike and Gray. We'll see you again next time.